Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey, this is Power Card, aka Project Pat, and you're listening to the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast, the best Ravens podcast on the planet. That's pretty incredible. In fact, it's La Marvelous. Thank you guys. All right, welcome on back to another edition of the Baltimore Beat Town Podcast. It is Wednesday, March 18th. Uh, my my name is my dudes. It is Wednesday, my dudes. Uh, my name is Jake Luke, as you probably already know. Uh, and you probably know that voice on the other line. It is uh, Dr. Spencer Nathaniel Schultz. Um, we have not recorded since last Wednesday, I believe, together. I did one with Voss on Monday uh, to get some of the initial breaking news uh, from free agency out of the way. Uh, but since we last recorded... Um, the, the Ravens boys are back in town. Yeah, the boys are back in town. The Ravens have made a couple additions. Uh, the world has uh, started to crumble at the bits, and Tom Brady has become a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. So, Him and Drew Brees twice a year should be plenty entertaining as the two OGs still alive in the game. And now they're in the NFC South. So I am excited for that 100%. Tom Brady in that Buccaneers jersey I felt like I was like having a nightmare. I don't know. It does not. For the record, they're getting new uniforms uh, to be announced next week. I could see him in. They have the they have the old school like peach unis. I could 100 percent see Tom Brady in like the peach, whatever, Bill the Buccaneer uniforms. Yeah, creamsicle. They um, I, I think I saw a leak a couple weeks ago or maybe a week ago or something um, of them like leaking it. And it literally looked like the ones from before the new ones that they rolled out with the digital clock. Um, good yeah which are fine I, I don't have any problem with them but kind of boring yeah i hope they touch it up a bit need brady to be icy down in tampa bay maybe he'll get a nice little tan for once been stuck up there in massachusetts he'll get to throw to mike evans and mr chris godwin probably the best receiving tandem in the nfl right now and i'm excited i'm excited to uh see the changing of the guard in the afc and it'll be fun to see what brady does down in tampa bay Bruce Arians is maybe one of the few coaches that I think understands the implications and like what Tom Brady's going to need to be successful. So as far as places that are not New England, I kind of get it. I don't know why Brady left New England. I guess, you know, the longtime kind of alleged tension between him and Bill Belichick kind of getting sick of each other after a while can happen. So I guess that's the reason why. And now 
we're going to get to see the the Joe Montana chief days, the weird days of the last of Tom Brady. And Bucks fans are never going to be more excited about signing a, what, 43-year-old quarterback? Yeah. So good stuff. Glad that's over, hopefully. And now we can just kind of like move past it because that's been – the dominant headline on the old sports center and things of that Avenue. And I uh, get a little tired of those, those old quarterback sagas. I have PTSD from the Brett Favre retirement. Is he going to retire? Is he going to stay days when I was like, I don't know, 12 years old. And it was, I think, uh, I think bus cook became like a pseudo celebrity, uh, just based on that entire thing. Exactly. Exactly. And that was such a big deal. I was 12, just baseball's on all summer and I, I enjoy baseball, but you know, I like my football headlines and it was just Brett Favre nonstop pandemonium and I got sick of that. So whenever there's an older quarterback on the free agent market dominating headlines, I'm get a little a little a little jumpy. Gives me a little PTSD. Yeah, for sure. So it's you know you mentioned Joe Montana on the Chiefs, Johnny Unitas on the Chargers, Joe Namath on the Rams. It's pretty much kind of feels like one of those situations, except he does kind of feel set up to succeed. He didn't look great last year. Um, I think health was sort of a part of it. I think getting old a little bit, losing some of that pop in his arm, which does make me question the fit. I mean, you look at Bruce Arians as a guy who likes these swashbuckling quarterbacks that are going to stand back there and take hits and just shoot the ball down the field. Um, and you know, high risk, high reward, no risk at no biscuit type thing. It feels like for the past 10 years and he's done this successfully, but it feels like Brady has kind of been a dink and dunk guy taking advantage of, uh, you know, shifty, smaller receivers and running backs, completing passes out of the backfield and just kind of paper cutting you to death. feels like Bruce Arians hasn't been doing that since all the way back to the Big Ben days and then through with Carson Palmer on the Cardinals. So it's in that sense, a little bit of a weird fit. But I think if anyone can kind of accommodate for a guy like Brady and if anyone can sort of settle into a new system, I trust Brady and I trust Arians on the former there. So uh, I think uh, it's going to be an interesting pairing. I don't know if I'm 100 percent, you know, sold on it quite yet, but I guess we're going to see what happens. Yeah, I think that Brady actually ended up airing the ball out a little bit more than the group think was he I think he had 121 deep attempts in 2018 and 2019. So over the last two years, okay, uh, 103 pass rating, 15 touchdowns, two interceptions thing. I think that hurt him a lot in New England was just their offensive line, especially their interior offensive line. I mean, number one, they lost Trent Brown. Isaiah Wynn was out. They lose David Andrews. That's, you know, your three kind of pillars of your offensive line there the Patriots ended up trading for Jermaine Illuminor at one point which was ridiculous and never even really using him um, so I think offensive line play maybe a little lack of a big body target that can really dominate like Gronk definitely uh, uh, hurts a little bit so OJ Howard Godwin Mike Evans are, are versatile I think the Bucks have a really really amazing interior offensive line uh, Ali Marpet and I can't recall the right guard's name, but he's been doing work as well. They also have Ryan Jensen there and we all know what kind of a freaking pirate mentioning swashbucklers. That dude is ridiculously uh, tough and gritty and will want to keep Tom Brady upright. Uh, definite competitor in Ryan Jensen. So it's interesting. The Bucks need to get some help in the secondary now and try and I mean, they're going all in. That's that's an all in move. That's not a move for the future. So we'll see what other kind of moves they make in correspondence and some interesting, interesting times. But, yeah, the amount of news, the trades, everything has been so ridiculous in the last day or so. I mean, Devon Kennard just randomly got cut five minutes ago. 
Uh, guys had 14 sacks in the last two seasons. I don't really get the point there from the Lions, but a lot, a lot, a lot of moves, and it's been fun during this whole pandemic. A uh, little silver lining of no sports, having the NFL free agency really dominate. So yeah, I mean, for all that's one of the sticking points for me with all of this is like all the guys like Florio, and I don't want to just single him out, but he was kind of the one mainly beating the drum. And I like Florio, but like he, I he was getting all sanctimonious about how it's like not the time for this kind of stuff. And like, for me, he was being a douche. Yeah. And it's like, for me, like, no man, like there's so much weird shit going on in the world right now. I'm, you know, stressed enough as it is like, this has been a great sort of thing. That's been able to take my mind off of it for the last couple of days. Yeah. And it's like, there's no material danger to it. Like there, I get that. Like there's other big news going on that people should be focusing on, but like for, you know, a couple, a little distraction, a couple hours a day, it's just agents and teams, you know, coordinating deals and negotiating things and, you know, putting agreements in place over the phone or over email or whatever. Like there's no danger to that. So it's just kind of like for me, a welcome respite from all the shit that we've uh, been having to deal with here. Exactly. And it kind of shows that guys maybe don't need to be flying around touring facilities and getting the the patty cake treatment all that much. And maybe it kind of streamlines things in the future for the NFL and also in just general corporate America. It's something we were talking about offline that maybe a little silver lining of this issue, if everything gets resolved, hopefully that kind of shows, Hey, we have all the technology at our houses. We need to get work done. Um, and that applies to NFL free agency as well. So it reminds me a little bit. uh, Yeah. It reminds me a little bit of like, I rewatched office space recently and like, there is so like all the paper that they use in that movie. And it's like, was that really what it was like 20 years ago? And the answer is probably yes. And like they dressed a lot differently than at least I do at my corporate office. And like, it's funny how a movie like that, I think tangibly had an effect on corporate America and it made them change for the better. Maybe something like this will do the same. Exactly. So maybe a little silver lining there, but yeah, the Ravens have been active. Uh, the Steelers had to do a ton of shuffling, the Bengals just finally got into the game and solidified DJ Reader. So, God, yeah, that some- was that was a rough start for the Bengals there. I felt bad for our buddy Anthony, who we've had on the show before over at Orange and Black Insider. Uh, and since he jungle, he, he was like pretty depressed, like with the start of all the free agency. And like, you know, they they've got to start signing guys to put at least of an infrastructure, or a little bit of an infrastructure around Joe Burrow. And uh, it was a rough start. But they, you know, they signed DJ Reader and Trey Waynes just now today. Um, maybe they're going oh, to Trey Wayne's nice. I like Trey Wayne's. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they let Darquez Denard go, I think. So I guess he's the replacement there, ideally at cornerback. But uh, yeah, they've made a couple of moves for moves for sure. Steelers signing Derek Watt to join up with his brother TJ there. Derek's the fullback. TJ, outside linebacker, obviously. And then um, with the Browns, they get Austin Hooper. Kind of an interesting move there at tight end. Don't fully get it with Njoku already in place there, but I think Stefanski supposedly runs a lot of two tight end sets, so I guess that's a fit. And then Jack Conklin, I think, is a very good signing for them there at right tackle, and um, I think the numbers were actually pretty good for both parties there. So Brown's off to a nice start uh, as well, but we'll have to see what Yeah, they definitely needed to go get Conklin and got him. Yeah, it was a really modest contract, especially for a, a premier tackle in the league. And uh, the Browns really needed that. So they're giving Baker Mayfield everything. They'll have that 10th overall pick and be able to maybe go get an Andrew Thomas or someone of the sort. And Brown's going to be testy. Steelers essentially just saying, hey, we're going to run it back with Ben Roethlisberger. Same deal, keeping Bud Dupree. They shed a little fat with Anthony Ciccolo and Mark Barron in their linebacking core. Uh, So it looks like they're probably going to be trying to draft someone to come in besides Devin Bush. They do have Vince Williams as well. Um, so maybe some kind of Sam guy who can play a little inside, a little outside backer. But yeah, AFC North. Uh, I definitely am, I'm 
of the three of the four teams, the three teams that are not the Ravens, I, I I like to see the Bengals get a little infrastructure around Burrow. I'm a Burrow guy, and I'd like to see them uh, treat him right. So hopefully they keep getting some interesting things going there. Yeah, and I mean, talk about a fan base. I mentioned Anthony. You see some of these Bengals fans on Twitter that are just kind of fed up with the you know Mike Brown's you know experience being too much of a sort of mom and pop operation, not having a ton of national scouting infrastructure and not doing things in a modern way to see them make a couple of big signings is a good thing. And they're not going too crazy, which I like as well, because they're very much in a rebuild right now. It's not all going to happen this year, even with Burrow coming. Exactly. The door. So, yeah, you just got to, you know, spread yourself out a little bit, make some big signings, but don't go too crazy and uh, set yourself up for long-term success as opposed to short-term speaking of short-term success Brady going to the Bucks and you also have Philip Rivers going to the Indianapolis Colts on what looks like a one-year deal uh so I guess they're kind of all in on a Super Bowl as well theoretically I I don't know it felt like Rivers was maybe not himself last year so we'll see what happens with that but it's it's an interesting move for sure that's going to shift things in the AFC South for a bit the Rivers move is interesting. The Colts do have a better offensive line than the Chargers, so we were talking about keeping older quarterbacks upright. I just don't think Rivers has the same kind of juice he had five years ago at all. I don't understand the move fully when you can go maybe get a Teddy Bridgewater, and I don't find Rivers to be that much of an upgrade over Jacoby Brissett. Um, I think if you kind of stand pat, get to Forrest Buckner, go get yourself, you know, they were sitting at 13, go get yourself a Jerry Judy, uh, another explosive playmaker. You already have the offensive line intact. They have a relatively tough defense uh, and a few draft picks, but you know, I'm not going to knock them for getting Buckner. He's one of the very best overall defensive players in the NFL. Ravens fans saw a tidbit of that from the 49ers matchup. I mean, he kind of chased Lamar Jackson down about 30 yards downfield at one point uh, from the three tech and made a play and knocked Lamar Jackson out of bounds, showing the kind of athleticism that he has and disruptive ability. So Colts making some interesting moves as well. I would guess that the Chargers are going to go with Tyrod, who is going to get like for the 45th time. Please, Jameis. Please, James, James would be fun in yeah, front of James like a 30 person crowd, like with him throwing like four interceptions and like six touchdowns a game. And, you know, like Anthony Lynn's going to be like ripping the headset off and throwing it. It's just like, God, I really need that. It's been a tough yeah. year. I just need where is James going to go? I don't There's, know. It's man. been very quiet on his market. Bears. Bears. I thought Bridgewater was going to go to Bears. Bridgewater. Make sense. So Cam. Bridgewater goes to Carolina on a three year deal. Cam Newton's right. going to be gone. He's going to be traded. Um, the Panthers said. I think eight. the Bears are the perfect spot for Cam. Yeah, I agree. And so the Panthers released this morning, jumping into that the whole saga because there's been a million news pieces that we have to get to. Maybe the craziest league year opening I can remember. Um, Panthers announced they're going to allow Cam Newton to seek a trade. He came back in his weird ass hieroglyphic font on Instagram. And I love that so much. It's kind of sick. And so he kind of reputed that and uh, or refuted that and said, yeah, don't make this sound like you're allowing me to leave. I don't want to leave. This is your decision. So they're doing that. They're going to trade him. They're going to word on the street is that from some people, like I've heard it from Matt Miller and I think some CBS sports guys that they're all in on tanking for Trevor Lawrence. So you bring in Teddy Bridgewater, who's probably going to win you four to five games this year at the very least, depending on things. So I I really don't get that Lawrence angle and now Newton's going to be traded. So yeah, it looks like the bears are going to be a good spot. The bears also in my mind, a very good spot for Andy Dalton, who's going to be moved as well. So I don't know what's up with that. The perfect spot for Cam Newton is Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, 
and it's not going to happen because they're running back Roethlisberger. But I think he would be a great, great fit there. The Bears work out well. They love Matt Nagy loves to use a ton of motion and a ton of H back stuff and uh, some of the stuff that we saw with the Kansas City Chiefs. And then the Bears had the one good season in 2018. Uh, where they were, you know, using Tariq Cohen as kind of that slot H back and running him around a lot. Cam Newton's great with ball fakes. Um, hopefully his shoulder can come back. So, yeah, I like that as a landing spot for Cam. Hopefully we see it happen. Yeah, for sure. I mean, what are some of the other big moves? There's been, it feels like a million. Um, just DeAndre sure. Hopkins getting <laughs> traded. Yeah, I get, we didn't even touch on that. So that happened um, earlier in the free agency cycle, maybe probably the first big domino. Um DeAndre Hopkins traded to the Arizona Cardinals for a second round pick and David Johnson. Uh, the Texans traded Hopkins and a fourth rounder. Probably the worst move in a slew of terrible moves made by Bill O'Brien, the GM. I think we're both on record as saying we don't think Bill O'Brien's a terrible head coach, but as a general manager, he has been pretty freaking terrible. And uh, the ownership... God awful. He traded for three running backs in the last eight months. Yeah, and the ownership structure there, I get that it's sort of in flux with Bob McNair recently passing away, but Cal, McNair, step up and make a freaking move and get a general manager because this guy is going to run Deshaun Watson into the ground and ruin his career potentially. As It's just ironic because it's, for the amount of sacks and hits and pressure and beatings that Deshaun Watson has had to take over his, you know, first couple years of his career. They finally, finally, finally go get a left tackle. Look like they're on the verge of getting a really solid offensive line potentially this offseason. Uh, and then they go ahead and take away my favorite receiver stylistically in the NFL. Uh, I can't put him outside of the top three receivers in the NFL on a pretty modest contract. He wanted a slightly new one. Um, so they end up basically like the analogy for me is I have a basket of dirty laundry and instead of washing it, I throw it away and go get clothes from like Walmart. And that is Randall Cobb. So the Texans brought in Randall Cobb as a mediocre ish replacement for Deandre Hopkins. I do not get it at all whatsoever. Maybe we see David Johnson end up being a top 20 receiver or something weird. I don't know what the plan is there, but that is not it, Chief. Do not go get rid of DeAndre Hopkins for a second-round pick. And yeah, yeah, it's it's tough, man. I feel bad for Texans fans, especially um, you know in the weird state that we're in. We're talking about this being a welcome distraction from all that's going on. If you're a Texans or like a Patriots fan right now, uh, it's got to hurt pretty bad uh, with you know all the other shit that's going on in the world, having to deal with this stuff. Um, I mean, we didn't touch on Stefan Diggs going for a first round pick and some change to the Bills. That was kind of a Ravens rumor that was floating around. I didn't really ever see it happening. So he winds up going up to Buffalo to play with Josh Allen and John Brown. Shipping up to Orchard Park. I feel like John Brown and Stefan Diggs, like John Brown is like a light version of Stefan Diggs. Um, not quite the route runner, not quite maybe the competitor, but a little the shorter, problem. Huh? A little shorter, I think. Yeah, 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 definitely. Son's, you know, maybe a little bit more solid. Overall, definitely just better receiver. But uh, the problem there, and something that was interesting to me, Next Gen Stats went out and posted that basically Stephon Diggs was the best deep ball receiver in the NFL last year, had 57% completions over 20 yards and like an unbelievable quarterback rating. All the stuff that really kind of looks really good on Kirk Cousins and speaks to maybe Stephon Diggs having a pretty good situation in Minnesota. And he's been crying for years, finally gets out, goes to the most inaccurate deep ball thrower in the NFL last year. 
uh, who, I mean, we all know he has a freaking cannon, but Josh Allen severely struggled deep with accuracy, uh, maybe worse than any, you know, full-time starter that I've seen in the last couple of years. The bills started rolling when they started. I mean, he could, he can really pick you apart underneath because of that same velocity arm strength. Um, so in that efficient kind of play action run based RPO stuff using his athleticism and stuff uh, uh, that does not cater to the little diva personality that Stefan Diggs has grown accustomed to, or I guess just grown into. So it's interesting to see how that's going to play out, but they definitely have a solid receiving core now with Brown and Beasley and uh, Stefan Diggs and can maybe go get themselves another weapon, a bigger receiver in there to round that room out. And Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield, two guys who have no excuses moving forward. Uh, to not go out and win games. Josh Allen did make the postseason and has shown a little bit more maybe competence in ways, despite being the flamethrower that he is than Mayfield. And now Mayfield won't have any excuses either. So this is going to be a make or break year for Darnold and Mayfield and Allen, in my opinion. You know, they're going to be nearing the end of those rookie contracts. And this is a pivotal year in looking and saying, is this the guy? Is this the guy we're going to re-sign to a Jared Goff or a Carson Wentz deal? And uh, it's interesting to see how that's going to play out. So definitely a fun storyline for 2020. Yeah. So I, from the personality perspective, that's kind of why I like Diggs going to Buffalo. I don't think Diggs and Kirk's personality was ever really going to mesh. Like Diggs is kind of like Diggs is Diggs is a dog. So shout out to No Laying Up. It's a golf podcast. And they have the discussion about golfers. Is he a dog or is he a killer? I feel like Diggs is a dog, right? And there's not many killers. Tom Brady's a killer. Aaron Rodgers may be a killer. Diggs is a dog. Kirk is neither. He's a cat. Kirk, yeah, Kirk's a house cat. He's not like, he's a good play. He's a good quarterback. He can do well in the right situation, but not really overly athletic, decent arm strength, pretty accurate, good quarterback overall. To me, Josh Allen has the makings of a dog. Like he he, is so athletic. He puts his body on the line. He like wants to go for it every single play. Like I think Stefan Diggs is going to like a guy like that, regardless of how, volatile it is you know what i mean it's encouraging i under having that personality having josh allen's personality like when the bills traded for dit for stavon diggs josh allen just tweeted you dig and that is not what kirk cousins would have said kirk cousins is a classic soccer dad slash house cat uh so yeah it's probably more fun playing with a guy like josh allen who you know is going to put it all on the line and can physically compete and that's kind of turned into what the the new age quarterback is. You got to be able to do it with your body, with your feet, uh, as well as your arm. So it's encouraging. I mean, I definitely know that if I was playing next to Josh Allen, you see him go lay the shoulder down to go pick up a first down, get up and start yelling like, let's go first down, like waving his arm forward. It's going to get you fired up. And you're gonna be like, that's my quarterback. I like that guy. Uh, Kirk Cousins might be a deadly sniper from some points, but you definitely don't see that killer in him. And that's been evident on Monday Night Football, although he did get that playoff monkey off his back. But yeah, I definitely could see that side of it. Yeah, for sure. So that's why I like that from that perspective. Uh, I think it's a very good trade for Buffalo. I think Brandon Bean is proving himself to be a very good GM up there. And it's good for Minnesota, too. I think uh, they didn't really need digs. Buffalo's stacked. Oh, they are. They're going to win the AFC East, I think. Um and then Minnesota, I mean, they get a, a first-round pick out of this. They can kind of move forward. Cousins is now extended. Um, so you can maybe rebuild and set up for another run because they had kind of already gone all the way in on them, but they're sort of hedging against that now uh, and preparing for maybe another sort of slight rebuild on the run here. Um, what other big moves? Oh, man. Um, Jadavian Clowney still out there? 
Yeah, Clowney's still out there. We mentioned Jameis. There's quite a bit of guys. Fowler. Ja- yeah, I know the collective sports world is just sitting on the edge of their seats waiting to see where Jameis is going to land. Uh, no, that's just me. But yeah, Clowney's still out there. Fowler, you mentioned. feel like he could be a good fit in Baltimore, but money is probably not going to match up. Um, but yeah, man, it's been... Like I said, I think probably the craziest opening to a league year that I can remember, especially with all the stuff going on outside of it. Not, and that's not even including the new CBA that just got approved. Yeah, this year has been so many cuts and trades as the league year started. Uh, and maybe they just kind of got shoved together because of the whole coronavirus issue and kind of some uncertainty whether the new league year would start or not. So maybe some of these things have been kind of sitting on the shelf, kind of imminently waiting to happen over the past month or so. And then, you know, the NFL is like, nope, we're proceeding with the league year, uh, which if you can do it remotely, why the heck not, as we mentioned. And yeah, so we've just seen an explosion of cuts and trades and the NFL is going to have an entirely new landscape in many ways next year. Um, I mean, so many middle ground teams are, are moving around, making major deals. The Raiders have been super active kind of acquiring an entirely new linebacker room and some other things like that. Yeah, so that's the big move that we kind of haven't really touched on yet. I know everyone's probably waiting for our take on it. Your thoughts on Jason Witten going to the Raiders? Fantastic. He's going to bring, you know, that classic dead in the knees, unable to legitimately do anything, 40-year-old tight endness to them that they need. Uh, It's really going to elevate their tight end room, which it's really lacking. I mean, they only have Darren Waller, who had 1,200 yards last year, and Foster Moreau, who I believe scored four touchdowns. So Witten's really that missing element, that crucial piece of that Raiders team. That has has Gruden written all over it. It's like, ah, come on, guys. We're going to go. Guy's We're going to bring Witten in. He's going to be a player. He's going to be a coach. He's going to be the announcer. We're going to get him on the PA system. He's going to call the games. Tell you what, Come man, on. this guy brings a lunch pail into work every day, man. His knees may not be able to bend too much anymore, man, but I'll tell you what, he can coach up a tight end room like I've never seen. This guy, Darren Waller, who had over a thousand yards, is going to learn a lot from this guy, man. Oh, yeah, man. Waller, wait till you get Witten in here, man. He's going to really make you into a player. Uh, But yeah, so the explosive moves from the Raiders, but they made a couple other moves besides that. Uh, We haven't really seen the Chiefs do a ton. The Ravens, maybe of the two competitive AFC contenders, kind of did a little bit more than they did. So they also haven't lost a lot of pieces, which is rare after winning a Super Bowl like that. Usually you see the mass exodus uh, and players get poached left and right. We haven't heard anything on Sammy Watkins who has a unbelievably high, I believe, $22 million cap hit. Uh, so I was expecting him to maybe be a little bit more of a casualty of that and hit the free agent market and go get some ridiculous contract again. But looks like he might maybe make it and stay. We'll see. Yeah, for sure. Jaguars made a couple signings with uh, Joe Schobert. Uh, and I think they signed Dark West Denard over from Cincinnati at cornerback there, too. So they're kind of a weird team to me. Like they're ass backwards right now doing everything wrong. Yeah. Like it's are you going to trade Nick Foles? Are you going to roll with Minshew? Or are you going to roll with Minshew with Foles in the picture? Or are you going to tank for Lawrence? And it's like they're letting guys go. Voss and I touched on Calais Campbell. We're going to get your thoughts on him as well. But they trade him away. They traded Ramsey midseason. They're kind of in this weird purgatory. And they're freaking halfway out the door over to London already. They're playing a game over there, an additional game over there next year. Yeah, so being a Jaguars fan is like not fun and maybe not a thing soon. I don't understand how you can kind of – I don't think – have they? did they cut Marcel Darius? I'm not sure. I think they did. Okay, so he's on the market. He's been pretty injured and stuff. But yeah, so you go let uh, outstanding – 
veteran leader who's one of the very best interior defensive linemen in football go and then basically replace him with like a coverage middle linebacker. Uh, I mean, I know they did have Telvin Smith, so but it just doesn't add up, doesn't make a lot of sense to take that Clayus Campbell money and flip it into Joe Schobert. I don't know what the game plan is there. They do still have Josh Allen at defensive end. and uh, Which is nothing Brian against Joe Schobert. He's a good player in his own right, but really? Like, you're going to throw that money at him when you are probably should be rebuilding? After, Especially after the inc- unbelievable... I mean, they got rid of Bouye. They got rid of Ramsey. They got rid of Gibson. They got rid of... I mean, Telvin Smith is gone. They didn't get rid of him, but... He's probably Campbell, not coming back at this point, you got to think. Right, yeah. And the Ngakwe is basically... a captive right now tweeting that he wants to escape from Azkaban. Well, the good thing is that they still have Leonard Fournette in the picture, who is the Tim Duncan of the Jacksonville Jaguars, according to Leonard Fournette. He called himself Tim Duncan. He was on a Twitch stream. He's like, yeah, bro, like, I don't know why they're trading everyone away, but I'm still here. Call me Tim Duncan. It's like, (laughs) yeah, Leonard, like maybe win one title or like do something of relevance over the past couple of years before you start comparing yourself to like the greatest power forward of all time. Uh, I don't know. He kind of reminds me of Timmy in a way that like. Really? I mean, he's had like attitude issues. He's had like, okay, 17 yards. No, 70 yards. He'll get 70 yards every single game. Like you knew Tim Duncan was going to go get you that 18 and 12. (sighs) Yeah. Okay. It just churns out like above average to good. Tim Duncan's my favorite player of all time, but he was not exactly like ever really lighting the box score up necessarily. And Fournette is just nonstop running for 70 yards, 70 yards, 20 carries, 70 yards, 15 carries, 70 yards. But yeah, other than that, that's where the Tim Duncan comparison ends. Okay, fair enough. Uh, But yeah, Jaguars, kind of a mess. Uh, Cowboys tag Dak Prescott at quarterback. Love it. Love to see it. Felt like it was going to happen. It's a smart move. Um, They kind of had themselves in a weird position end up letting byron jones go who heads over to miami who now has the two highest paid quarter cornerbacks in the nfl uh so interesting kind of build up there kava and noy headed there but dak prescott they weren't going to let him go by any means never going to let him hit the market and they also dished out that massive contract to amari cooper still have that awesome offensive line got a good running back go get another really good receiver, go get some more secondary help, and then make me think that you're going to do really well again and then win eight games. Yeah, for sure. Um, what, like, Yeah, Mike McCarthy just doesn't move the needle for me at all. Um, you mentioned they lose Byron Jones. He goes over to Miami. They've been making a couple of moves. I believe they signed a Shaq Lawson. Um, Tons of guys, yeah. Uh, yeah. See, this is the strategy, and the Ravens are doing it as well. Buy the defense, draft the offense. I love it. It feels like when you go spend money on defense, there's a lot less disappointment in performance. Uh, offensive players, I feel like on the open market, are just ridiculously expensive. And it is strange. Let's, I mean, let's see how much money Robbie Anderson gets up, ends up getting. He is not a top 15, probably not even a top 20 receiver will get paid like a top 10 receiver, I'm sure. Uh, But yeah, I like it. So the Dolphins, smart, buy the defense. We saw the Rams do it all at once with Sue and a bunch of those guys. Uh, But I I like it. I think it's a good rebuilding strategy when you think you're ready to be competitive. The Dolphins ended up, you know, sneakily being a lot better than people thought that little 5-11 and season and uh, being competitive. So it looks like Brian Flores might be the freaking guy. Give him some vets, give him some talent, build – 
an offense, draft a Tua or uh, let's see what happens there. But I, I like where the Dolphins are trending. Yeah, there's a uh, Dolphins fan. Don't really want to mention the name uh, on these airwaves, but he's located in the area. He's a little bit of a NFL writer, Twitter personality, whatever, uh, who tweeted a move over Eric DaCosta. Chris Greer is now here. So. Okay. <laughs> well eric DaCosta is like 10 bodies deep after just ramsacking and pillaging the nfl like if i can't even um, describe what eric DaCosta is doing to other general managers right now but yeah i mean i think Greer's doing a good job but let's yeah for sure but let's just maybe calm down a little bit uh i guess last one we can get to maybe there are a couple more uh ryan Tannehill signing a big extension down in tennessee um Stupid because I think Tannehill played outstanding last season because he was perfectly put in the right position, asked to do the right things, the play action. He was the by far the best play action quarterback in football. Uh, I did way too much film study and research on the Tennessee Titans before the Ravens played them. And, you know, if Arthur Smith, their offensive coordinator, he did such a great job. I think he's going to be a head coach next year somewhere else. And then you're going to end up with Tannehill having a fat contract and trying to bring in some different offensive system. Like it has to be written in stone. We are not going to force Ryan Tannehill to be kind of the engine here. And then if he's not going to be the engine, why did you just pay him so much money? So I guess they kind of were hogtied, not really knowing what else to do. Obviously, Tannehill did just beat, you know, New England and Tom Brady in New England and then go beat a team that had won so many been winning since September and then have a lead in Kansas city in the AFC championship. So I get that, but it just feels like a, eh, from a my perspective, it's like you should just franchise him. I mean, unless he a hundred percent confirms, he's not going to play yes. under the tag. Just franchise him. The guy's already gotten a big contract from Miami. He's probably in a spot where he wants to win more now in his career. Uh, right. Just franchise so, him and continue to put a good team around him. And, I don't know, man. It just kind of feels like bad juju. And I saw like he did play really well last year. I want to give him that credit, but it does feel like these kind of situations. Unbelievable in play action just didn't have to throw the ball a ton. Yeah, for sure. And um, I mean, even good off of play action. If you look at a lot of the numbers. Um, yeah, he was he was good all around, but he was just incredible off of play action. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It just feels like it, this feels like a move. And I saw people saying this on Twitter where people were like, OK, well, you know, you don't want to not have a steady hand you don't want to go into the unknown so of course you got to sign to a long-term deal that's the argument that i made and i was wrong for many years about joe flacco i was i was wrong about that straight up and it feels kind of like maybe this has potential to be a situation where the titans are in a state of mediocrity mediocrity for a little bit after smith leaves or maybe even sooner who knows so right i agree with you they should have franchised Tannehill because what did they end up doing franchising derrick henry paying him a boatload this year giving a running back a really high cap hit this year and if you would have flipped it, the guaranteed total money over the next couple of years would have been a lot lower if they had maybe shelled out some shekels to Henry, who I think understands the running back market is not going to be quite at Zeke's level and giving him some guaranteed money and absolutely franchising Ryan Tannehill. That allows you to, you know, Ryan Tannehill's awful go draft of, uh, out of Ohio State. Justin Fields or a Trevor Lawrence or uh, one of those quarterbacks next year. So you're not in a Nick Foles situation. And that's what this move feels like. It feels like kind of signing Nick Foles after a really good run to a shitload of guaranteed money. And then looking back and be like, why did we just do that for a guy who 
has been so volatile throughout his career. It feels like um, uh, so. buying buying high on a stock. Shout out to the stock market going through a rough time. Going through a rough, rough time. Shout out to those 401ks. But um, yeah, so I don't know. I don't love it. Maybe Tannehill makes me eat my words and he's used perfectly for the next three years and Arthur Smith doesn't go anywhere. Uh, but it felt like an eh. It felt like they just didn't have another option and they kind of chose to go the other way by franchising Henry instead of Tannehill. So see how it plays out for the Titans. Yeah. So, I mean, anything else? JPP back to Tampa Bay, right? Or did JPP back. Javon Hargrave ends up in Philly next to Fletcher Cox. I think Philly and Jim Schwartz do such a great job of putting their defensive front in a position to penetrate and make impact plays. So I love that fit there. Love the Eagles defensive front. Derek Barnett going to be healthy as well. Malik Jackson still there? I'm sorry? Malik Jackson still there? No, he was in... I always get the two Jacksons confused. One of them was in Dallas and ended up in Oakland. Malik Jackson. Let's see. I always get the Maliks and the Jacksons confused. Yeah, he's still in the Eagles. Okay, so there you go. That's an awesome defensive front. And they kind of gave Malcolm Jenkins the boot and are moving Jalen Mills to safety, which seems odd, but... Maybe he has some range back there in a single high. I don't feels know. Like he made, feels, like, feels like Mills made a couple plays, but he was always bad in coverage, which sometimes can translate well to safety from corner. But For sure. Yeah, I don't know. For sure. Definitely. Um, so we'll see how that plays out, but didn't really go get a receiver or anything. There's still a couple cheaper receiving options. See how that plays out uh, in Philly. But yeah, that's, I mean, a lot of what has gone on. There's been more that will come to us throughout, but Maybe we'll get some breaking news as we're recording. But yeah, NFL free agency has been fun so far, exciting, and something to pay attention to. Yeah, for sure. And we are almost 40 minutes in, haven't really made much mention of the Ravens quite yet. Um, but we did want to get your take. I know we got a little bit of a bite. I'm not sure if you listened to the episode from Monday, but we mentioned your little comment about how oh, I did. Cialis adds great length and push or something like that. So what is your thoughts on Cialis, Calais Campbell, joining the Baltimore Ravens on a two-year deal at uh, $27 million with 20 of it guaranteed? Cialis always adds great length first and foremost, but in all seriousness, I mean, me, you, Vaz, Kyle, Frank, everybody in the Baltimore Beatdown Slack chat, we have agreed upon the guy that is perfect in Baltimore's defense that won't break the bank, is a perfect, classic Trevor Price, you know, older veteran. How many times have we seen the Ravens go get an older veteran on a short contract that wants to win a Super Bowl? Um, And it feels like it's always something that ends up working out in the long run and even on the offensive side of the ball as well with guys like Steve Smith and Anquan Bolden. Um, it's just a perfect fit and bringing some height length range back to that defensive front that has been so stocky and short and kind of, you know, just trying not to lose ground instead of making explosive plays. Campbell presents a guy that you can line up any position on your defensive front and he is going to physically overwhelm with sheer get off and strength as well as outstanding hand technique range and just subtle little movements quickness for his size that has dominated pretty much every single NFL lineman at some point I mean he is a nightmare to play against this move as well as bringing in Michael Brockers allows Brandon Williams to go play nose which is why the Ravens paid him 50 million dollars they've been having him play three tech too much so i mean at this point no one is going to run the ball in the ravens if they do 
I will be shocked. Kudos to them. Uh, I don't understand how to run on this front. Campbell clogs passing lanes. I just like if you're going to play a two gapping defense like the Ravens do, I like having massive dudes that are playing those inside three positions that are going to block throwing lanes, kind of be able to reach and rip down quarterbacks or get a paw on quarterbacks from a little bit further out, uh, just be generally more disruptive. So not just sticking an NBA center in there, but someone who's a hell of a defensive lineman. And (laughs) he essentially almost doubled the amount of pressures in half the snaps that Michael Pierce, Brandon Williams, and Chris Wormley accounted for last year. Clay's Campbell had, I believe, 519 pass rushing snaps, generated 81 pressures. Then Pierce, Williams, Wormley have 893, so nearly double, and only to produce half the pressures. So it's it's an outstanding move for Baltimore. It makes their defense so much better. That's been the weakness, and that's why Eric DaCosta is killing it. And it feels like you know, fans think they know what they're talking about to an extent, and we're of course included in that. But it's it's obvious you need to improve your defensive front, and that's what I love about Eric DaCosta. These obvious moves that general mass groups agree upon, he goes out and does. He does what's logical. So I like him doing that. It's a move that is not you know, uh, it's a win now move, but it's not a win now move that limits you in the future it's not some monster it's a smart it's a smart win now move it's not an it's not an impulsive win now move it's giving you both the win now while keeping your future open and not getting some 26 year old that you have to give 50 60 million guaranteed to that you're hogtied to it's giving you more ability to go find the michael brockers resign justin ellis uh maybe go find you know another linebacker bring josh Bynes back so it's an outstanding move it's what the Ravens had to do, and it's what Eric Tacasa got done immediately. The best possible, you know, three tech, five tech, kick him out, just stick him over a tackle outside shade on in a four man rush. Whatever you want to do with him, you can. It's like it's just pure power. Like the way I look at it is like, imagine you're like a soldier, and like you have a shield and a sword. Like guys like Williams and Brockers who will hit on like they're the shield, and a guy like Campbell is the sword to me. Like he just brings that power, that penetration, uh, sort of that attacking mindset on the defensive line, as opposed to. You know, Brockers and Williams um, and Pierce, who's probably going to be gone. They're good players, but they're more run stopping, more kind of getting back on their heels a little bit and uh, doing the dirty work. Whereas a guy like Campbell, um, their job is to dig in and hold ground. Exactly. Precisely. Use their size in the way that their size permits them to. Campbell has a different type of size that he uses in a different way. So it's uh, from a scheme perspective, he's uh, provides a little more versatility there for a defensive line that was maybe a little too redundant over the last couple of years. Exactly. That's a perfect way to put it. Uh, but yeah, it's exciting. It's something that Ravens fans loved and for the right reason, he is going to be dominant as a run defender, dominant as an interior pass rusher. And the Ravens just haven't had that in so long inside push. And what people don't realize, you know, go look at TJ Watt, go look at some of these guys who are putting up ridiculous 15, 17, 20 sacks in a season. They usually always have interior push that is flushing them out of the pocket that allows those outside guys to go wrestle them to the ground and, and really hunt and make quarterbacks have to move. So it's positionless football, being able to stick him anywhere you want. And that's what the Ravens aim to do. That's why guys like Zach Bond uh, are getting linked to the Ravens guys who can just play football, play defense. You can ask them to cover in man, cover in zone, rush the passer uh, or go attack a blocker and hold a POA. So it's just going to allow Wink Martindale 
more freedom to, you know, maybe let's drop seven in coverage. Let's drop eight in coverage. Uh, not all the time, but it just gives him the freedom to be able to do that. And as a defensive coordinator, who's kind of been forced to blitz for that lack of interior pressure and ability there. Now, all of a sudden it just opens up more doors for him and the blitzing is already in place. So that you can kind of keep the blitzes that have been effective, keep the, you know, simulated pressure from the creepers where you're blitzing a Chuck Clark, where you're blitzing a Tavon Young, who hopefully is able to come back and be healthy and then actually be able to go drop seven. So that's a glorious thing for the Ravens. Yeah, for sure. So he was the first big move they made of the offseason. They were roundly lauded for it, as they should have been. And uh, I think also another element to it, um, Voss and I hit on the veteran leadership thing, and he clarified his stance on it a little bit in that it's great that they have another well-respected um, veteran that they can get in there to kind of even out the mentality or the mindset of the locker room. He had a lot of you know young, hungry bucks in there. Now you get a guy who's sort of been around the block a little bit, um, and it's a grown ass man. Yeah. And he's going to temper the mindset, but he's, you know, also going to be an inspirational figure to a lot of them. The dude's made a lot of plays, been on a lot of good teams and, uh, been a well-respected leader throughout his career. So I think he brings a good mindset as well. It makes me he more comfortable of the year last year. Yeah, exactly. So somebody like him and somebody like Brockers, uh, who, like I said, we're going to get to, that makes me more comfortable with, we talk about how often Kenneth Murray is linked with this team. Kenneth Murray is just like a bat out of hell in the linebacking core to a negative extent at times. So I think but got, suddenly that looks like he might get kept clean a lot. Yeah, exactly. So you open up more holes for a guy like that. You bring sort of a sort of tempered veteran mindset that can kind of rein him in a little bit up front. I think I saw Preston talking about how like Sam Adams had Ray Lewis behind him and they kind of helped make each other work. So if you were to draft somebody like Murray or maybe you get a queen or somebody like that in the first or early second round, uh, now that you have two picks, another thing that we're going to hit on. You can afford to have those players overrun plays a little bit more and not hemorrhage you and allow 65-yard touchdowns. There's more of a safety net. Yeah, exactly. Right. So that will be whoever is playing linebacker is ecstatic. I mean, Dalen Mack is like the seventh defensive lineman on this team, a guy who had an insane pressure rate. I think it was like 26 percent playing in the SEC for Texas A&M. See what he can do and some rotational stuff. Justin Ellis, another giant mammoth is back Then having Ferguson. I mean, thinking about third downs, you're going to want Ferguson, Campbell, Judon, Bowser and those like four or five Ferguson Bowser and then uh, whoever the hell else you want to trot out there. Maybe you want to go trot out Brandon Williams. Maybe Jihad Ward also seems Jihad Ward. There we go. It seems all but done according to Zerebeck. No announcement quite yet, but it sounds like he's going to be back too. And Levine is probably going to be back. He thinks good. They need Cocat back. I just, it makes me comfortable when he's on the team. I just need him for reassurance. Yeah, for sure. He's like the Matthew Slater of the Ravens. Yeah, exactly. He's Cocat, no cap, but yeah, so being able to kick out Ward, Bowser, Ferguson, Campbell, and Judon, potentially. We'll see what happens with him. But those five guys, those four guys in some combination, it's a hell of a lot better than sticking Brandon Williams and Michael Pierce or one of the two or both of them on the field on third down and just gives them more versatility, more push, more pass rush. Ravens pass rush is going to double as far as effectiveness, win rate, things like that next year. I'm really excited. It's what they lacked. And what Matt Miller had kind of said – Throughout this, you know, he always says if he hears one kind of strong wind from a organization, from a front office, he'll tweet it out. And he's like, the only thing I've heard on the Ravens front this offseason, this is I think he tweeted like early February, is that Eric DaCosta wants a pass rush to keep leads. 
which makes sense and is a smart thing to do. And it is what he has helped do so far. And I love it. And it rounds out a defense that like I remember this time last offseason, um, Voss is like a big uh, kind of analytics roster construction type of guy. You and I are interested in that as well. And it seems sort of the new wave is to focus on the secondary, focus on the pass coverage guys and kind of not really worry as much about run defense. Um, but that kind of that's a mindset that sort of bit them a little bit with the Titans last uh, uh, playoffs where Derrick Henry kind of runs all over them. So I think um, while that is probably how you want to start. I think getting both is maybe a crucial thing uh, to having yeah, a, you want to be a complete defense. Yeah. Long term success. It's like the Chiefs going and getting a guy like Frank Clark. Uh, and then they double dip back on T sizzle when he comes available in the playoffs to help them a little bit. Um, and then they had Chris Jones in the mix as well. So I think it kind of maybe you're following that Chiefs blueprint a little bit, which is a uh, a good way to go because they won the Super Bowl, obviously. And then it, I guess we should probably hit on it now. I feel like I've alluded to it 40 freaking times, but uh, the Ravens first official signing of free agency was defensive tackle Michael Brockers coming over from the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, it's going to be a three year deal for $30 million uh, for 20 million, 21 million guaranteed. It's going to be front loaded. Uh, so this season he's going to be having about a $5 million cap hit, I think jumps up to maybe 12 or 13 or thereabouts next season. And then it kind of dips back down again in the third. So uh, I think it was five, it's five neck in 2020, then 12 and a half over each of the next two years. Right. And I think the, the cap hit, like you said, jumped up next year and then dips back down or something like that. So gives them some third year flexibility to be able to part ways with him potentially. So he's a guy who's known for a little bit more run defense, I think, uh, coming over there from that Rams front that is just absolutely uh, beastly. Um, I believe he has, interestingly, a 58.7 run defense grade, uh, 78.2 in the pass rush and 70.5 all from PFF. I think that's him uh, looking through my notes here. But either way, um, he seems like a guy who's just a complete player along the defensive line. Uh, another sort of well-respected veteran type uh, who is just going to be an anchor along that D-line and just a better overall player than Michael Pierce, who, like I said, is probably going to be gone at this point. He's more versatile than Michael Pierce and is going to give you a little bit more ability to go play over a tackle, play over a guard, play over a center. Uh, he, Aaron Donald basically came out and said, I want the Rams to re-sign Michael Brockers. He makes my life easier because he does that nitty-gritty uh, stuff that allows Aaron Donald to really be explosive. And Michael Brockers has been lauded for his ability to, to take on double teams. Um, he did benefit from playing next to Donald in the pass rush department, so a lot of one-on-ones. He's a guy who can win one-on-one. He has had 30 or more pass or 30 or more pressures two of the last three years. So he is adequate, you know, will give you more against the pass than maybe a Brandon Williams or Michael Pierce. And uh, he kind of is in a similar mold to Chris Wormley, but just built a little broader and able to really hunker down in the run. And yeah, I was reading that PFF wrong. He's uh, I think that was somebody else. His PFF grade, 82.6 in run defense, 57.2 in pass rush, 74.6 overall. And Donald did speak very highly of him. Uh, I don't think it was recently, but it was uh, recirculating after they signed him uh, that Donald said he's one of the most underrated uh, defensive linemen in the NFL. Yeah, PFF has him as a top 25 interior lineman. Um, He, you know, has a lot of push the pocket reps in the past game. Uh, He's also incredibly durable. Him and Clayus Campbell both, as well as Matthew Judon. I think Clayus Campbell's missed, what is it, six career games? Brockers is like four and Judon has never missed a game. So durability is something that DaCosta clearly values and the Ravens front office values, which is smart. Uh, they're not taking a lot of 
risky bets. They're getting some surefire proven commodities, uh, consistent defensive linemen. That's how that's how I describe Michael Brockers. Incredibly consistent. Uh, he will overwhelm. He has a nasty long arm bull rush and he uses it as a run defender as well if he's lined up in one-on-one he will mow a guard into a running back time and time again and he's a play ender he's had had 60 tackles usually has like 50 60 tackles i believe each of the last three four years former first round pick he will just go end plays and get guys on the ground and the ravens allowed way too many yards per carry last year got gashed by chubb by the chiefs by henry couple times Le'Veon Bell even really in that Jets game early on was uh, kind of busting up through the A and B gaps and able to do some stuff on power so that's just not going to happen anymore and the Browns have Hunt and Chubb and God knows who else and they're going to try and run and it is not going to work so good luck running on the Ravens in 2020. Yeah, for sure. So run defense is very much solidified. Brocker's a good signing there. And it seems like they're structuring his contract in a way that they want to make a couple more moves this offseason. Speaking of other moves they've made this offseason, kind of a blockbuster, at least for Ravens fans. The rest of the league is kind of always sort of snickered at this player uh, for one reason or another. I don't totally get it, but Hayden Hurst shipped off to Atlanta. Um, The Ravens send Hurst and a fifth rounder, I believe, for or Hurst and a fourth rounder for the Falcons second rounder, one of their two second rounders, 55 overall and a fifth rounder. Apparently Hayden Hurst really pushed this trade. Uh, I think that this is a 50, 50 trade and 50, 50, meaning there is a coin flip on whether this is going to, we're going to look back and say this was a good move for the Ravens or a bad move for the Ravens. Number one, I think it was outstanding for the Falcons They basically saved themselves all of that Austin Hooper money and, in my opinion, got a better blocker, a more explosive downfield threat, a guy who doesn't really have the experience with volume. But if you watched all of the Ravens games the past two years, you think that Hayden Hurst is perfectly capable. I know that I do uh, of being a 60, 70, 80 target guy and kind of carrying the load over the middle of the field. He was screaming for the ball against the Titans in the playoffs and end up scoring a touchdown. Although he did kind of have one clunk off his helmet later, right? Like on the one yard line, but we won't talk about that one. Um, but yeah, so I think that it looks good for the Ravens. If they take that second round pick and pair it with their first round pick or the other one or whatever, or both of those second round picks and move up, I think that is draft ammo to move up and get a blue chip player. Um, the way it would look really bad is if Mark Andrews ends up, kind of he's shown some glimpses of maybe you know getting nicked and dinged and missing some action and being limited a little bit um so if you know all of a sudden they're down shit creek without a paddle mark andrews missing some time you sure would love to make sure that lamar jackson has a target over the middle of the field like a hayden hurst or mark andrews so we will see how it ends up panning out but it kind of felt like a no-brainer as far as value getting a second round pick and another pick uh I know that they so they ended up sending the pick that they got from the Falcons to Jacksonville, I believe, for Campbell, uh, something of the sort, even though those deals were kind of announced at different times. So we'll see. I do hate to break up the best tight end group in the NFL, but it just feels like that second round value is really good for a 27 year old tight end that's never caught 30 balls. So we'll see. I think second round is tremendous value. For a guy who most of the league, like I mentioned on Twitter, people that are fans of other teams always kind of sneer and snicker at Hayden Hurst because he's this. It's like, because of Mark Andrews a lot too. Well, it's, they, I think yeah. it's the fact that he was an older 
player coming to the league and he was a minor league pitcher and he's like 26 when he gets drafted and he gets picked before Lamar freaking Jackson, which isn't going to help anyone. And, you know, other teams, they're, they're not watching the Ravens week to week, so they don't see some of the impact plays that this guy is making. I think he has all the potential in the world to go to Atlanta and ball out with Matt Ryan, who likes throwing to tight ends, uh, going all the way back to Tony Gonzalez when he was there for a couple of years. Um, and I think he's, uh, like I said, going to have a very good season. So I think uh, it's going to be a win-win for both teams. I think a second-round pick is tremendous value for a guy that they're just not going to be using, quite frankly, because... There's a log jam. Yeah, there is a log jam. You've got... Mark Andrews, who is your number one, without a doubt, you've got led was led all tight ends in the NFL and touchdown receptions, second in the NFL and touchdown receptions behind, I believe, Kenny Galladay on 41 percent of snaps. Absolutely. And I believe Hurst is a little bit more of a complete player, but Andrews is the much better receiver. Uh, you've got Boyle, who is a much better blocker than Andrews and a good receiver in his own right, though not as good as Hurst. Um, or I should have said a better blocker. He's, just than that Hurst. Tr- he's that old school tight end. Yeah, exactly. So you've got two tight ends now that you may not have the best tight end room in the league. I think he still probably have a damn good argument, but two guys that perfectly complement each other. And Hurst was always sort of this uh, uh, luxury piece that you didn't really need, but he made some fun plays last year. I mean, he freaking maybe won them that game in Buffalo with that long touchdown that he caught. Uh, Definitely did. So I'm hoping uh, for many more of those for him in his future, because he's uh, a great guy that got too much shit from the rest of the league. Uh, great story advocating for mental health. Hard, uh, hard worker and showed up on the field with it. Yeah, exactly. He's just absolute great guy. Penned a nice little tweet saying goodbye to Baltimore and everything. It seems like it's a pretty, uh, even though he was kind of asking for a trade, it seems like a pretty um, good way to part for both sides. It's not very acrimonious at all. So you like to see that. Yeah. And uh, one of those. You know, four guys, the four horsemen of the apocalypse is now gone. But let's see if our boy, Mr. Charles Scarf, can step up. We got a chance to see him in training camp, made a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton of plays on the second and third team uh, in training camp last year. I think the Ravens stashed him on the practice squad. They, I, th- I believe they really like him because got a ton of run in practice and was, you know, always kind of involved there. So I think he's a guy that can come in and he feels like he's a little bit more in the Boyle mold of a traditional tight end, but a uh, better pass catcher than Boyle while definitely not as effective as a blocker. But feels like he'll be a little bit more of a median if they end up going in that direction between Boyle and then the Andrews or Hurst of the world who are very proficient receivers. Uh, we know how Greg Roman loves his tight end. So an opportunity for another undrafted free agent to end up on the 53 man roster. And I think he'll do well this year if, if that's the way they go. I think that's probably the route they're going to go. Some connective people uh, have said on Twitter that they do like him a lot. Six five two fifty coming out of Delaware. Um, I, I had tweeted about it. Um, saying that, not even joking, I think he has a good chance to be the third guy in the rotation. And uh, like a former Delaware quarterback, I guess, that played with him, used my hashtag that I was using, using scarf season. So uh, I like that a lot. So let's get scarf season going. Um, yeah, maybe not the most athletic guy, but sounds like he, it seems like he was finding a lot of those soft spots in the zones. And he's playing, exactly. with, he's playing with third stringers, but that's kind of an innate ability in my mind. And so maybe if you get some more reps, um, and just sort of get some experience against the higher level guys. You can learn that a little bit over the years and um, sort of slot into that third spot and kind of be able to, you know, take on a learning role. And uh, eventually maybe he could be like a Crockett Gilmore type guy for you. Who's not like the most athletic or the fastest or whatever, but he just finds a way to get open and catch the ball when it's thrown his way. Absolutely. So scarf season is in effect. I, my bold prediction for training camp is that him and Trace Unitas are going to be electric in the preseason and throughout training camp. So that's my uh, early 
training camp old prediction. Yeah, for sure. I was definitely thinking uh, Drake Unitas, hopefully, is going to be using him a lot because that's going to be very fun if two of our uh, memeable players from the bottom end of the roster are going to be uh, hooking up there. So the Bills have gone all in on their defensive front as well. They signed former first-round pick Vernon Butler. Uh, they also signed Quinton Jefferson from the Seahawks, who was a very good starter in Seattle. And they also signed Mario Addison, I believe, yesterday. Or Another or former in, Panther. Another former Panther um, away. And so it looks like they're going all in on this season and gave up their first-round pick, got dig, got some even better defensive linemen, let Shaq Lawson walk. And it looks like the Bills are going to be some tough SOBs, especially that front seven. Uh, actually, just that defense in general because their secondary is loaded too. Uh, they also extended Jordan Poyer, I believe. So it looks like they're going to elevate themselves. If Josh Allen can just get a little more calm, maintain that gamer attitude, and get a little more accurate on deep balls, they're going to be freaking scary. Yeah, for sure. So a little bit of housekeeping here, I guess, before we get going. Ravens released James Hurst, so not a good day to be a Hurst on the Ravens. Uh, wanted to get your opinion. So they clear some salary with him out of the way. They clear some salary with uh, Hayden Hurst uh, leaving. Marshall Yonda is now off the books. It's expected they're going to be declining Brandon Carr's op, uh, option, which opens up $6 million in cap space for them. What do you think the Ravens' next move is going to be, however general or specific you want to go? Next move is signing a veteran off. So I think they bring back Bynes. I think they bring back... Uh, Levine, like you said, Ward seems like it's all finalized. Then I would go get a veteran interior offensive lineman. James Hurst, I'm just going to say stinks on ice, always kind of has. He's had some you know, good stretches of average play, but for kind of that shocking contract he got a couple years ago, especially after kind of, you know, Ravens fans had that salty taste of him getting kind of tearing Joe Flacco's ACL. Uh, that's that ended his like any chance of him having goodwill with this fan base every single time that guy gets brought up in any capacity on social media it's like you always get reference back to that which you kind of feel for him on right he basically got a really freaking huge swingman contract and was able to go play some shitty guard and some average tackle um you know he was a swingman those guys usually aren't world beaters but was able to go in there when needed i would like to see the ravens get uh, someone who can play center and guard and then maybe again in the draft and a guy like Cesar Ruiz, if he's there at 28 and the Ravens don't trade up, feels impossible to pass on. Uh, maybe a Jonah Jackson in the second round out of Ohio State, some of those guys, or maybe even in the first round. But uh, I believe the next move is bringing in someone, some veteran offensive lineman to come in, someone who's maybe been a little injured or something of the sort, but can bring some veteran stability and you know practice habits and things of the sort into the locker room on a cheap deal a one-year little deal and the ravens seem to do really well with finding those guys finding those you know rough-roaded offensive linemen and bringing them into baltimore and giving a little stability i think they've done a really good job constructing this offensive line but they need depth now and yonda just kind of put an exclamation point on that so offensive line interior offensive line is now my biggest need for this team for sure. Bigger than wide receiver because like you lose Yonda, 
your best. We love Boykin, and I don't think anyone knows about Boykin. I think that's why we aren't as high on receiver being a need. Yeah, he's just not really mentioned, I think, uh, because he didn't make a ton of plays last uh, you know season. But I think another year of development with his athletic tools and some of the plays he made, uh, I'm pretty high on Boykin. I think he could be at least a good number three for you at some point. So if they were to roll into this wide receiver group, uh, I wouldn't necessarily be happy, but it'd be like, okay, well, you can probably make this work with the tight ends that you had. They did it last year for the most part. Um, but yeah, you lose Yonda, um, who was your best offensive lineman uh, and is going to be pretty damn hard to replace there at right guard. Um, no matter how good the guy plays, people are always going to compare him to Yonda for the first year or two. Uh, you've got Skura coming back from a triple tear in his knee. Uh, that's a scary situation. Apparently, he's on track, according to his uh, agent, who's tweeting a little bit after the Ravens. Tenor. I've seen in, in my true fashion. I've seen him working out a ton. Looks good. He's moving. He's up and about. Looks good. I the, think he'll be OK. Yeah, the Ravens tendered him with the lowest possible tender. So I think another team can kind of swoop in and they get to match Matt. Yeah. OK, so they can match. But um, yeah, I, I would not, like to keep Skura. It's scary because of his knee, but I would like to keep him just have him there. Yeah. So, I mean, even if you do keep him in the picture, I think it's usually um, a lot of people that are experts on like knee injuries say that it takes like well over a year for you to be all the way back, even though you can play on it. And I freaking have had an ACL and a meniscus. Uh, and I know that I even today I still don't feel fully normal with it. Um, I, so I think with, you know, all the access that he has to good medical it gives care, you a weak knee. Yeah, it like, does. You're going to have a knee that you favor. Pivoting right. is different. You know, planting is different. It's everything's different. So, I mean, even with access to the good medical care, I think it's, you know, it takes over a year. And with a triple tear with the PCL and the ACL and whatever he had happened, I mean, that's it's, it's pretty rough injury. So I, I don't expect he's going to be 100 uh, percent in terms of his form, uh, at least early in the season. Left guard, Bozeman, I like. You know, we'll see what happens. You can probably upgrade there if you really want to. And then Powers is in the mix as well. Bozeman feels like a unbelievably high caliber swingman. Yeah, exactly. He's like your he's like Lou Williams of the offensive line. Yes, exactly. So you've got him. He's fine. I mean, I guess the plan right now is Powers at right guard, but I, I really want at least one or at least one more inspiring acquisition along the interior offensive line to be comfortable about that position because that is they sneaky. need one in free agency and one in the draft it's sneaky the most important thing for a young quarterback i mean it freaking derailed baker mayfield's career at least for the time being last year um and on the converse it was maybe the most instrumental thing in lamar jackson having all the success he did this year so and he the thing about him we've talked about he makes it easier for the offensive line a little bit um, they definitely, you know, had an outstanding group, but it was the same group that Flacco had and looked like, you know, went from being maybe above average to holy shit, this line is unbelievable. But the at the same time, you have perhaps probably the best or second best playmaker in the entire NFL as your quarterback. Give him a line. He will make plays kind of regardless of weapons. And like you said, they already have some weapons. I'm sure they'll add one in the draft. They'll get something, some sort of receiver, something of the sort. But give him a line and he will make plays. He will win you football games if he has time. And even if he doesn't have time, sometimes he is able to do some crazy shit like he did against the Rams. They blitzed him. The blitz worked and he ducked it and ran 40 yards. So don't force that to be the need. Allow him some time to make plays and things will go well. Yeah, I mean, it's uh like I said, my biggest concern right now, but they have plenty of uh, ammo to go and figure out a solution for it. So I'm not overly uh, worried about it. Um, I guess that's pretty much all the news we've got at the moment. And now I guess we can go ahead and throw it over to the mailbag. Yes, sir. Should we hit break? We should. OK, we'll see you on the other side. 
Okay, so now we're going to go ahead and jump into our mailbag segment, running a little bit long here on this episode, but uh, regardless, I'm sure you guys don't have a ton going on. It's not really a shot at your social life. I hope you uh, understand that. Uh, you know, it's a shot at all of our social life. Well, yeah, I mean, this is everyone's making the joke like, oh, social distancing and quarantining. That's what I always do in my life. <laughs> like, yeah, cool, man. Like, kind of, you know. Kind of like everywhere on Twitter right now. You're not the most. Julius Peppers was like, anyone who knows me knows I love this. I've been social distancing for years. It's like, yeah, sick, dude. I'm sure you're not like in the club all the time with like models just pouring out like bottles of, uh, you know, like Ace of Spades. Think about it. Julius Peppers never really has caused a stir. Yeah, I guess. But I don't know. Like (laughs) you're a freaking NFL player, dude. I'm not totally buying that. True. So without further ado, we're going to. Reduce the distance, get out to some of our guys remotely, starting off with the five-time gold glover and current – oh, God, the name is escaping me. What is Adam Jones's Japanese baseball team? Buffaloes. Can't remember the place. Damn Ori it. something? Ori something? Yes. Yes. Or Oreo. Oreo. Buffaloes. Anyway, Adam Jones 57. We're definitely trading up for Lamb. Book it. Also, Jefferson is a better fit for Ruggs. Jefferson is a better fit for the Ravens than Henry Ruggs. Sorry, guys. C.D. Um, Lamb will be a San Francisco 49er, is my prediction. Oh, God, he would be so perfect. Yeah, and they have the 13th pick. And their late first-round pick, correct? Yes. They could easily move up to grab him, like in front of the Raiders or whoever. I think they've got a couple holes. I see them sitting pat at 13, but yeah, he would be a great fit alongside Debo. Uh, they have some targets to go around now that Emmanuel Sanders is gone. But I... Uh, I, I like Jefferson and Ruggs both. I think those are, you know, two guys that I would draft in the first round for sure. I think like he's saying in terms of fit, like you've got your big guy with Boykin, you've got a slot guy in Snead, uh, you've got a burner in Hollywood, and then Jefferson could, sl- you know, slide into another slot spot there or something like that potentially. But Kind of a jack of all trades. There. Yeah, for sure. But I think, um, I, I guess, I think Ruggs is more talented, but either way, I, I like them both. Yeah, both of those guys I think are good fits. Those are like there's four receivers out, maybe five, maybe Mims, but uh, four receivers. I'm confident drafting in the first round. Those are two of them. So now we move on to Smearman. Did the Ravens overpay for Michael Brockers? Thirty million seems like a ton. It well, it's twenty one million. Yeah, guaranteed. Yep. Yeah. So whenever these contracts come out, the initial figure is something to make the agents look good and feel good about themselves so they can tout that to other potential clients and say, look, I got this guy X money. That's usually never the final figure. It's usually the guaranteed money you want to look at. So three years, 21 million. I think that averages out to like seven a year. But like we said, it's structured in a different way. So it's five million uh, for 2020, which is really not a lot, a lot, or really not a lot right now for a team that is trying to contend for a championship within the next year or two. And the cap is projected to jump next year, like 60 to $70 million currently. So it's going to be pennies on the dollar, peanuts to an elephant. But to be and fair, I did think the same thing when I first saw that uh, the number. But then I was like, wait a minute, let's just wait for the guarantees and the structure. And then uh, your mind will probably change. And it did. I assume they will have an out in the third year of that contract because DaCosta has not every single last year of any contract DaCosta has orchestrated. There's an out in the final year of it. Uh, but I like it. I mean, I like it. He's consistent. He's durable. He is basically just going to do better than Michael Pierce. He is primed to be a little bit more rangy and explosive and has first round pedigree and, you know, played at LSU can be relied upon more as a centerpiece in a way more than just a role player. And in retrospect, feels like the Ravens kind of relied on Michael Pierce 
as a centerpiece instead of a role player when he's in fact a really good role player. So maybe he can go somewhere else and and be a little bit more uh, rotational and effective in a limited role. But moving on, Devin 1109 thoughts on Gabe Davis in the later rounds, referring to Gabe Davis, the receiver out of UCF, uh, interesting kind of vertical player. I would like it a lot if the Ravens, you know, didn't really address receiver and ended up, let's say, having a fantastic draft and deciding, you know, all right, we're going to zig when everyone else zags and not get any receivers. Gabe Davis is a later round guy that I do like. Uh, pretty raw still, but great after the catch. And I think he would be, you know, a wide receiver three, wide receiver four that could do some damage when his name is called. But I would prefer someone in the earlier rounds instead. Yeah, I've heard his name. I don't know a ton about him. Um, admittedly, I haven't watched anything. Um, but UCF seems to be wide receiver you, um, with guys like, you know, Brandon Marshall, um, Brashad Perryman, some great wide receivers coming out of there. So exactly. So that's a factory for sure. Petrus Priv, our check boy over there says thoughts on trading 99 as in Matt Judon to Seattle and then signing Clowney highly unrealistic, but dot, dot, dot question mark. So it sounds like Seattle has been sniffing around a little bit with second or third rounder coming up as the possible uh, compensation. Um, I don't necessarily love it. I mean, it feels like Judon is probably your best option at pass rusher at this point. Clowney would be better, but he'd be a lot more money even with the figure that Judon is currently playing on. And if I don't you, think that Clowney's really proven himself to be like above Judon as a pass. Well, rusher. that's the thing. Definitely like all terrific. these all these fans that are complaining about Judon only having nine sacks because they're trying to justify him potentially leaving. Uh, it's you know classic breakup tactic. Uh, Judon's a pretty damn good player. He's a good pass rusher, even if he doesn't do like double digit sacks. But on that same token, like you said, neither is good even Clowney. I think Clowney's and a better player, but he's not. Like, I think Clowney gets knocked for being not like not durable too much because he's only missed like six games in the last, I think it's either four or five years, but Judon hasn't missed a game. You know what you're getting. You know, you can drop him in coverage. He's already in place. I think that just rolling with Judon is the best bet. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, Clowney, I mean, Clowney would be exciting. He is a definitely a better pass or a better run defender. And, uh, is just a little bit different player. He's more of a down in the dirt, uh, dirty worker than, Judon, and he certainly kind of has those crazy plays where he just, Jevin Clowney just looks like an alien playing football, where he just destroys alignment in like a split. He did it to Ronnie Stanley. He beat Ronnie Stanley. Uh, it was like down towards the goal line. Ravens tried to run a boot away from Clowney on the other side, and he crossed Ronnie Stanley's face in one step off the snap. Um, so, I mean, he's, he's a, crazy. But- he's a fuck the play up guy. Shout out to Chris Sims. He's a guy that yeah. just fucks plays up. Judon doesn't yeah. really do that, but he's still a good player. Yeah, he Clowney's a little bit more streaky like that, and Judon's a little more consistently, you know, doing his job. I don't know, but moving on, Glizzy G M D. What's our biggest need right now? Is in the Ravens' biggest need? I think Jake hit it on the head already. Offensive lineman, interior. Yep. So we'll keep going. D Smalley three. I'm naming my firstborn son Lamar and my secondborn son DeCosta. Um, okay. I like it. I mean, Eric might be a better choice. Yeah. Just Lamar, in- I like Lamar Smalley. I don't know. DeCosta might be a cool name. I mean, like, so here's the thing. Like, you know, there's all these there's all these like boomer names like Karen and like, I don't know, like Karen. What's a boomer like male name? Henry. 
Jack. Sure. Jack, I guess. Then there's millennial names like Caden and, you know. Camden. Camden. Yeah, kind of a little little softer. Maybe there's going to be like a Gen Z or whatever our kids' names are going to be or something different. And DaCosta could be at the forefront of that. There you go, D. Smalley. You're an innovator for DaCosta sure. DaCosta Smalley. DaCosta Smalley. Hank, HBA. That has a good read to like- it. <laughs> uh, Hank, HBA, how do you like Justin Jefferson at the end of the first round? Me likey a lot. Uh, if he's there, that would be wild, I think. But there's a very realistic scenario where everyone knows there's a lot of really good receivers and there's not a lot of good edge rushers, not a lot of good uh, kind of front seven players, uh, not a lot of great interior offensive linemen, uh, something of the sort. Maybe receivers fall a bit, but I believe Justin Jefferson does not make it that far. If he does, he's a great fit. He checks every single box. I think we've touched on him before. He's a run blocker. He's a nasty, tenacious blocker. He can play in the slot. He can play outside. He's a possession receiver. He, he could be our Debo. Debo. Sure. All that shit. But um, yeah, I think he checks every single box and is at worst going to be a really good wide receiver too. Uh, like similarly like a Calvin Ridley-esque player, but not kind of the same style. I don't know. Good, good number two. Has the ceiling to be an 80, 90 catch guy, um, crazy uncontested catches. And if a guy can get separation and is amazing in contested catch situations, that's a great thing. But if they have to rely on those contested catches, that's kind of almost a knock in a way. But Jefferson can can beat you in any which way. He can find soft spots in zone, all that good stuff. So we really like Justin Jefferson on this podcast. For sure. So now Hardur Swami asked the question, likelihood that Queen or Murray are available without trading up. Pretty damn good, I think. I think that's kind of been the reality. And um, yeah, I don't think many of the trades really affect that too much at this point. I think uh, a lot of the side, I mean, the Raiders I think, so I think entire inside linebacker room. Yeah, for sure. So that probably knocks them out of the mix, although they're probably not going to be in the sweet spot to pick one of them either way. I think a team with his athletic potential teams could talk themselves into Kenneth Murray going a little bit earlier than he probably should. So maybe he could go just a little bit earlier than the Ravens. Him, I, him and queen both tested like very high first round picks for linebackers. Yeah, exactly. So I think Murray with the testing and the tape, he just feels like a guy that's like that fast and that like twitchy that a team could like talk themselves into him a little bit. I don't know if the speed shows up as much on tape with Queen, so I think he's still probably going to be firmly within their range. But either way, I think both of these guys are probably going to be uh, well within striking distance for them to grab in the first round. Potentially, for sure. I could, I could very well see both of them going. Um, very well see both of them going. They just tested through the roof. They both have a couple question marks, but it feels like they're they have had those first round combines. We never like the thing is we never know with these guys. Like Devin Bush was supposed to be a pick in the twenties last year, or like the high team. Or I was a little surprised that the Steelers traded all that. Like traded they traded up to ten. Yeah, like they could have like twenty one. I think I can't remember. Yeah, exactly. So you you kind of never really know, especially this far out and like with the draft and kind of a weird state right now with all that's going on you really don't know but i'm gonna tip bold prediction is that the broncos end up taking one of the two which is interesting because they traded out of the spot where they could have taken bush last year yes sir uh but yeah then we move on to our boy grant h2 DaCosta looking to trade up in the draft with all of this capital now if there was a year to trade up even before having all this capital i think i'd already said previously on this podcast that this is the year now that feels like 
a definite possibility that if there is a player slipping, if there's a well, I was going to say Kinlaw, but now I don't even freaking know because they have Isaiah 11. Simmons, Kinlaw, Chase on um, the big three wide receivers, like some of these guys. Like there's there's a lot of guys. Yeah, maybe a Tristan Wirfs offensive yeah offensive lineman at this point. Like who a Tristan Wirfs is a guy who could play tackle for sure and also play guard. Um, so that would be a great benefit to the Ravens. Maybe he's someone who slips a little bit, uh, even though you know maybe trading up for an offensive lineman isn't that sexy, but. We would like that here. Um, so, yeah, I think that it's a definite possibility. There's some sneaky guys like maybe a Xavier McKinney or Grant Delpit. I think they wouldn't hate adding, you know, another rangy safety to stick behind Earl Thomas, who has broken his leg multiple times. And if Earl Thomas goes down, I think the kind of integrity of this entire offseason plan might be kind of fucked. Um, so I would really not mind to see them at a quality safe. There's a lot in this draft that I really like. I uh, kind of started diving into that possibility more with like guys like Ashton Davis, um, Kyle Duger, and uh, Jeremy Chin. And then there was his name. Geno Stone out of Iowa is sneaky, sneaky, sneaky. Someone who could go in the second round. Antoine Winfield, all those Gino guys. Geno Stone? Yeah, it sounds like a it porn sounds, star slash WWE sounds wrestler. like an Elmore Leonard character. Like some Midwestern crime mogul. Geno Ex- Stone. Coming from the Hawkeyes of Iowa. Um, but yeah, so I think that maybe standing pat taking a safety but moving up definitely if one of those blue chip guys is there because the ravens could realistically move up to about 14 15 16 17 somewhere it's the, in it's there. the first thing you mentioned i saw on twitter when the hearst move happened yeah it feels like that second round pick you know you can take 55 or 60 pair it with 28 and they said they to, have two thirds and two fourths still right right so add they get one of each of move. those and then all of a sudden boom they can move up to maybe 10 9 8 Something like that. If Isaiah Simmons is there, who I think would be an awesome, 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 awesome fit behind this crazy defensive line uh, to kind of overhang and go be a matchup player. But uh, I think, yeah, high possibility. And, you know, maybe it doesn't end up happening as most things that we predict do not. But I would enjoy if that did happen. Hey, we were both predicting Cialis. We were both predicting Cialis. And we were, were both predicting that the Ravens would do very well this year and not be a true super bowl contender quite yet those are our, our two big home runs um but yeah so we'll see i think that that hayden hurst 55 is primo to make a move like that and go get a blue chip player that can come in and play whoever the ravens take in the first round they're not in a rebuild they're in a win now mode you need someone who can come in their rookie year and be a heavy rotational piece at the least who is not some project so i've kind of talked myself out of guys like julian aquara who you know might not be sturdy enough to hold up especially coming off of an injury um some some of the guys like that so they don't need a project if they get if they get shout out to cialis if they get isaiah simmons or cd lamb and i in my opinion they may need to go ask their doctor about a Super Bowl window lasting four or more years. Yes, exactly. They will need an injection straight into the dongus if they <laughs> go get <laughs> if they go get one of those two guys. I think Jerry Judy is going to end up in Baltimore. That is my new bold prediction. He loves Lamar, South Florida, same area, working out at Goldfeet Global with Hollywood. And of the three Your receivers, boy, Goldfeet. Goldfeet Global, baby. Goldfeet Global. Is that the guy we saw at training camp? Yes, it is. Okay. 
Yes. Um, he is unbelievable at training receivers. Debo, AJ Brown, Hollywood were the three that worked with him last year. All of them really took off. Judy's there. South Florida guys. I think that Judy loves Lamar. I think Lamar might be like, hey, get me this kid. And of those three big three, Ruggs has that super sane or that supersonic speed can see someone falling in love with it and taking him in the top 10, top 12. Lamb kind of has a little more complete game and has gotten a lot of buzz. Is like the number one guy now, I feel like. Judy feels like the one guy who could slip. And I don't know if he makes it past maybe Dallas at 17 because they really need someone who can play slot and outside as well now. But if he's in that 15, 16 range and you can slip 60 and 28 and turn that into Jerry Judy and then still have a second round pick, and a lot more ammo in the third and fourth round to move up, that would be ideal. Um, so if there's, you know, if they want to shoot up into the top, go get Simmons. If they want to get into the teens, get Judy. So those are my two kind of trade candidates. And as you can attest to, there's a great uh, Jewish presence in the greater Baltimore area. So Judy. Jerry, Jerry, Judy. Calls himself Star David. That was one of the funniest. I was laughing for 35 minutes after that on and off. And then the combine had like a little like uh, promo shoot commercial thing that came on and it was like him and he had his big star of David with diamonds on it swinging around and it's like almost a choker. I was in tears laughing, belly laughing from that. Thank you for that, Jerry Judy. Uh, hope we bring a nice Jewish boy to Baltimore. There you go. But, you and uh, you and another member of the tribe that you can root for. I like it. Let's go, baby. The chosen ones. Scary Gary. Thoughts on Judon's future? Our current cap space and then thoughts on Leonard Floyd. So I think he tried to combine those maybe. Um, so maybe he's trying to say, is Leonard Floyd the option since he might take up less cap space than Judon, if they could maybe trade Judon? Something that we kind of discussed with Vaz in the black chat earlier. Uh, I prefer Judon first, but if you can get a, if you can get a first for Judon, I'm, I'm, you're not going to make me mad. Uh, you'd probably make me pretty happy, to be honest. Yeah, I'm not going to be mad if they trade Judon for a first. If they trade him for a second and like a fourth again, I don't love it, but I don't hate it. It would be like, all right, they're do there. That means that DaCosta has some crazy diabolical plans in the draft if he's getting all this cap space or all this capital. Um, that so. means that he effectively turned another fifth round pick into a second and a fourth round pick because Judon yes. was a fifth round pick back in the day. So maybe that's like his little bragging thing that he likes to do where he's like loves turning fifth round picks into fantastic things. Did you do it? Yes. What did it cost? A fifth round pick. Exactly. Shout out to Thanos. Uh, Never seen Thanos. Uh, the Avengers, but shout out to Thanos. Oh my God. Watch them while you're here. I probably will. I've been meaning to. They're dude. They're, they're good. They're good. I've heard I they're good. I was a superhero movie guy. I haven't seen all the Marvel movies, but I was against it. I really was only like, I don't know. It's just like nothing. No superhero movie is ever going to be better than the Nolan Batman trilogy. But I don't know. That's probably a bad take. I they're very probably... different than that. And they're they're like they're not as cheesy as you think they are. They're definitely. Yeah, right. I, I've gotten that vibe. Like I've seen they're parts cheesy, of them. Though. Don't get me wrong. I've seen like, parts of them and they're definitely cheesy. But there's also kind of a wink and a nudge to it from what I've seen where it's like, OK, yes. they kind of get what they're doing here. I like it. Yes. Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. Both are I'm a the big, definition I'm of a that. big Robert Downey Jr. fan. He really does does it for me as an actor. I just think he's tremendous. I'm Iron Man. We have a Hulk. What are you doing? Talking to me like that. Oh, God. All right. So we're close to getting off here because we've already devolved. But let's finish out this mailbag. Um, yeah. So I think we want to keep John. Thoughts on Leonard Floyd. If they get rid of Judon, sign Floyd and get a first or second round pick, that's probably a net win. It feels uh, like a, that kind of to me feels like a 
if X happens, Y happens scenario. It's not like they're yes. going to be on the team at the same time. Yes, exactly. Um, Floyd probably costs a little less. And I think Wink putting him in that kind of Sam role where he drops into coverage really effectively, probably a little better than Judon and then can blitz him and do some, maybe even drops into coverage a lot more as they kind of bolster that defensive front. Uh, that could be intriguing as well. B Rose 931 asked thoughts on Nikel Roby Coleman as insurance in case Tavon gets hurt again. Can't afford it. No, uh, for sure. He's he'll, too expensive. He'll probably get like eight. He'll probably get the same thing Tavon got. Can't afford it. But I like Nikel Roby Coleman. I think he's a good player. Uh, good. Uh, he's a good nickel corner too, which is funny because his name is literally nickel. Right, right, exactly. So he's perfect. Um, and he's hyphenated, too. And we were talking about and, how the Ravens need some hyphenation. Yeah, I'm a big hyphenated guy. Um, and it's funny because his name used to be just Nikel Roby. I don't know why he added the Coleman, but yeah, I don't know what happened there. Shout out to the camping supplies and uh, grills. I'm but Gary Jacob's Coleman. 99. Huh? I'm Gary Coleman. <laughs> I haven't heard his name in a long time. Uh, I think Jacob's he, is that a asks, potential RIP situation, Gary Coleman? Is he? A, wait, what? Is that an RIP, Gary Coleman? Is he? What are you asking? If he's still alive? Yes. Is he? I think he uh, might be. Yeah, he oh. passed. Okay, he passed away ten years ago. Really? Oh yeah, age forty-two. Died. I knew that he didn't exactly have the greatest, uh, like, potential lifespan. So I didn't. I didn't even know he was dead. What the hell? Um, all right. Yeah. RIP, Gary Coleman. But yeah, moving along, Jacobs 99, <laughs> is this the most active the Ravens have ever been on the first day of free agency? The funny thing is that the first day of free agency is technically today when you're listening to this on Wednesday. So even before the start of official free agency, yes, this is the most active the Ravens have been in my memory at least. 2016 uh, was actually weirdly active. They signed Jefferson, Woodhead, and I think one other guy within like... Mike Wallace. Mike Wallace, that was a little bit later. It was Weddle that, was that they late. got... Or no, what? No, okay. So 2016, Weddle? 2016 was were both late, right? Yeah. So 2016, Weddle they got. I think as free agency opened, they also got Woodhead that year. I think, or maybe was it Woodhead with? You know, it was Woodhead and Jefferson in 2017. Yes. So that well, was Weddle was signed late because the Chargers cut him late. Yeah. So and Weddle I, was I think 20. Wallace was cut late. They too. got Weddle and Wallace together in 2016, like into the process of free agency. And it was that was one of the years where it's like, oh, what are they doing? Like they're not being active enough. And then those two guys get cut and they signed them. And it worked out pretty well. That was like classic Ozzy being late and then making us look like clowns. Uh, Max Sloan, you think we should go after Leonard Floyd or Dante Fowler now? They simply can't afford that unless I'd. If they do another Brockers deal to a greater extent, because the CBA got passed, which kind of in in a CBA year heading in, there's a 33 rule or like a 30-30 rule where second year jump in the contract can't be more than 30% from the first year cap hit. So now that the CBA is passed, I don't know how much room they have or what the hell they're doing, but if they extend Ronnie Stanley, cut Brandon Carr, which feels imminent, um, they already cut Hurst. That frees up like $12 million. I don't know the numbers yet. We don't know the details of Clay's Campbell's contract yet. But I definitely don't think Fowler. Floyd, I would say, is probably like 80% likely to be too expensive. So I don't think they can without getting rid of Judon, like Jake said earlier. Agreed. Uh, and then B-Rose931 asked... The same question twice, so never mind. That sums up the mailbag. But shout out to our boys in the mailbag. Gave us some good thoughts. Uh, a lot of draft season stuff still coming through. Asked some questions about the receiver room. So it looks like the Ravens are 
potentially going to be maybe leaning receiver and linebacker in the first, you know, two, three rounds, uh, maybe plug in someone into that offensive line that looks like if you're going to draft kind of aiming for need, those would make sense to get at least two of those three early on. Yeah, I mean, they have so many high picks at this point that it feels like a trade-up is going to be imminent, and then they're just going to trade back out of round one and pick like 10 players in the fourth round and like, I don't know, have right. like 15 rookies. Right, and they had 12 or whatever in 2018. Like last year after UDFAs, it was like 10 or something again. There is not room on the roster for nine rookies, I don't think. Uh, so once we kind of see how everything ends up panning out with Levine and those guys, the Ravens might have like 46 under contract already. And that would mean they're only seven away from 53. And that teams would maybe know that the Ravens have to trade up, so might hold out for a little more. And in my opinion, if Eric DaCosta calls me, I'm not fucking picking up because he's been fleecing people left and right. Yeah, I saw Robert Mays from The Ringer tweeted out like uh... – like in the last season of Breaking Bad when Jesse like screams he can't keep getting away with this about Walt. And he was <laughs> like, somebody, somebody has to stop Eric DaCosta. I was like, yeah, pretty much. And as he's like a Bears fan too, who was the team that got probably the closest to getting DaCosta to be their GM a couple years back, which right. sucks for him. Stings extra because Ryan Pace is turning out to be DaCosta's Costco version at best. Um, which Vaz pointed out, you know, why did they not trade Leonard Floyd? Could you really not get anything for him? Because they're not even going to get a comp pick now. So, again, DaCosta is spitting on that and in disgust like a Frenchman. Wee uh, wee. Oui, oui. And something he would never do. So, yeah, DaCosta is the GOAT. We think he might trade up. And, and uh, yeah. Does your dog bite? <laughs> no. <laughs> You said that your dog does not bite. And that is not my dog. <laughs> oh, God. Dude, quarantine yep. is fucking hitting me hard here, man. It's all right. Speaking of which, we are going to try and pump out lots of content. Uh, so if, you know, Ravens make a couple more moves this week, we'll probably try and have another episode this week, hit you with a, a three, maybe even a four, and try and keep that going, especially throughout this coronavirus situation to keep you guys entertained to the best of our ability, as we'll have plenty more to talk about. And we can now truly, after free agency is over, narrow in into draft season and uh, get into it. Yeah, it's going to be uh, fun, maybe a weird word, but it's going to be interesting uh, as this situation in the country and the world continues to develop uh hopefully we can get a handle on things sooner rather than later but uh regardless we are going to continue pumping out content because i know podcasts and uh blogs and videos have been kind of part of the driving force to help me get through this personally with no sports or really any other distractions Same. going on um so yeah i think uh us doing that for you guys is uh the least we can do and uh it helps keep us sane as well because we love doing this so uh that is our pledge to you that we're gonna keep pumping them out Shout out to you guys. Mwah! Very much. Uh, yeah, so shout out to you all. Keep washing your hands. Stay at home. Practice social distancing. Uh, all that jazz. Uh, take this situation seriously. Uh, but don't panic. We're going to get through it. Uh, it's going to be okay. Um, so I guess running an hour and a half in, hopefully this one keeps you guys nice and entertained on a Wednesday. Uh, we're going to go ahead and cut it here. 
Uh, if you liked what you heard, go ahead and subscribe to the show. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. Uh, and go ahead and follow the show on social media. You can follow it on Twitter at Podcast Beatdown. Finally crack that 800 follower mark uh, and counting pretty quickly. So hopefully I can keep that going. Uh, you can follow me personally at Jake Luke. That's L-O-U-Q-U-E. You can follow Spencer, uh, who's putting out a ton of great takes at Ravens 4 Dummies. That's the number four in the middle. Uh, follow the main show or the main site account at Be More Beatdown. I'm uh, going to be tweeting some of the show clips and stuff out from there moving forward. So uh, hopefully getting us a little bit more reach in that regard. Um, and go check out the website, BaltimoreBeatdown.com. Check us out on Instagram where you can leave mailbag questions. Uh, that's Baltimore underscore Beatdown. And check out the YouTube page where episodes are posted weekly. Uh, really appreciate you guys listening and uh, peace out. See ya. All right, thanks a lot. Appreciate you guys. See you later. All right, God bless.